Welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Hello and welcome to episode one of It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I am so excited. Uh, Hot Mess Express levels have been an 11 out of 10, getting everything ready, and now we can just hang out, chit-chat. So many brilliant and hilarious guests lined up. I'm kind of pinching myself on that. You might be familiar with some of them. So we're here to giggle together. We're going to get into all the hot topics of the week, all the latest news that we just need to really just sit and break down together. And of course, our PR couples, uh, but we're going we're gonna to dive deep. So we're going to get into beauty standards through the ages and what that means in the age of social media. And we're going to peel back the curtain behind the world of influencers, the music industry, just what's really going on. We're, we're here to cut the bullshit, you know? And it was, it was always my dream to work in pop culture, but I thought you had to live in LA for that. I'm just a Canadian girl with a Wi-Fi connection. But then I stumbled upon a little app called TikTok. It's probably where you found me. And it's the wild west of the internet. It's so much fun. It's my home base. It's kind of the reason why I've been able to launch all this. Uh, but it's also an app that gets a, a little crazy. It's not the best place for subtlety. Uh, it's not the best place for nuance and just being sardonic. And and also, listen, Gen Z, I love you guys. If you're listening, um, I have the utmost respect for you. I'm also a little terrified of you. So <laughs> I'm going to pull aside, create this little cozy corner of the internet here with this podcast where we can just, we can just kick back and relax and really just obsessively get into all the things that we don't have time for in like three minute sound bites. So I can't wait. If you see me talking shit on the internet, you you know how I work. So we're going to kick things off with Shannon from the Fluently Forward podcast and TikTok. And this is a jam-packed episode. We start off by shedding some light on a, an up-and-coming indie artist uh, named Taylor Allison Swift. We are Swifties. We've got a lot of love for her. We also have some healthy criticism and just a good overall obsession. So we're going to dig into that. And we're going to talk about the casting couch and yachting and we talk about all the reasons why we're unqualified to be famous and just treat our pop culture obsession like the team sport that we know it is. Okay, so before we get into it, don't forget to subscribe, leave me with a review. Heck, while you're over there, leave me with a five-star review. Uh, let's uh, let's work together here. <laughs> Actually, that would really only benefit me. But then if you end up liking the podcast, it benefits you in the end because we get more. It, we'll, we'll figure it out. So without further ado, here's today's episode. Enjoy. Oh, we're back with Shannon from Fluently Forward Podcast. You may know her from her TikTok, her prolific internet presence. <laughs> Hi, Shannon. <laughs> You're so sweet. Hi, how's it going? Nice to nice to finally be talking. I'm so excited for the launch of your podcast. Thank you. I know I've been so excited and I had to remind myself that we haven't actually really gotten to sit down and chat IRL. 
I, I think it's going to be very great when we meet in person. Also, you just feel very kindred. I feel like we would have gotten along in elementary school. So that's just yeah, the vibe. That, that, <laughs> that's a good analogy. And also, I think we're kind of also part of this initial wave of sort of the older generation on TikTok. Well, older in quotations, but <laughs> we're the millennials <laughs> taking over TikTok. Yeah, a hundred percent. It is weird how TikTok is so young. You know what I mean? Like I find it interesting in some senses, but then other senses, like I do still go to Urban Dictionary to look up little pieces of slang that I don't understand. So I'm like, I don't belong oh, here. Yeah. I'm 100% the Steve Buscemi meme being like, how do you do fellow kids? Yep. What's a hundred percent. What's cool nowadays? <laughs> What's the hot goss, everyone? Let me in. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, considering the fact that Instagram is basically just three-month-old TikToks, I think it's going to slowly shift. Yeah, it's interesting how things like that happen, right? Like Facebook now is just boomers sharing memes and talking about the vaccine. And then Instagram is kind of like where you have millennials, TikTok and Snapchat are for Gen Z. So it's interesting how these social media apps get like bucketed into generations so quickly. Yeah, totally. I realized that we roll our eyes at all the boomers that have taken over Facebook, but then like, are we the boomers to the Gen Z? Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> A hundred percent. Like, didn't you feel so attacked when everyone was talking about things that were chuggy? And I was like looking around at my apartment and it was like a bingo list. I was like, oh shit. Like I am a hundred percent chuggy. Like not the type of chuggy that has like live, laugh, love everywhere, but like, you know, I do associate myself with a Harry Potter house. So like, damn it. I guess I am a little bit chuggy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I felt slightly less attacked because for years I've been labeled as basic or like everything that I love falls in line with basic category which I feel like is just kind of synonymous for Chugi and uh, and I've renounced any sort of negativity associated with that label I'm like yeah I like comfortable clothes and pumpkin spice my coffee like sue me but yeah when they started to get into the Harry Potter stuff and and like <laughs> our cringy memes I was like okay well yeah now this <laughs> This feels like this feels like an attack and I'm feeling very much like an elder millennial regaling people of stories of like, well, I was Harry Potter's age when the first book came out. 100%. 100%. And now like we're on the 20 year fashion cycle. So like the fashions that we're in mm -hmm. when we were young are back, but I'm now a grumbly because they're picking and choosing like all the good styles. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to if you're going to really claim to be bringing back the early 2000s, like you, you bring it all back, like a hundred percent. Yeah. You have to be wearing a dress over jeans. Like that's what you have to do. If Ashley Tisdale and Vanessa Hudgens, and we had to do it, you have to throw on that outfit too, you know? Yeah. And the chunky belt <laughs> over the chunky belt. <laughs> yeah. The, the chunky belts, all of it. So Tell me a little bit about how you got started with your TikTok and your podcast. You, you're now this, like the queen of blinds on the internet. Was that always a passion of yours? Yeah. I mean, I think blind items were something that I had just been reading for so long. And I just kind of assumed everyone had, because the minute I first went on the website, crazy days and nights, I was like, this is amazing. Like I'm convinced that anyone who goes to that website you don't just visit it once and then never look back. Like you, you know, you get hooked on the blind items basically. So I had been reading them for years and it wasn't until I made a TikTok video about a blind item on Addison Ray that I realized not a lot of people knew 
that this part of kind of like celebrity pop culture existed. So then that was when I kind of started talking about it. And, you know, I have to shout out Crazy Days and Nights and NT because everything I know kind of has come from that website. But I think it's really cool because we all know when you get your nails done and you're looking at a People magazine cover, you just know that that shit isn't real. So it's really nice to have blind items in different forums on the internet to, you know, figure out what's Ellen DeGeneres really like or, you know, what's actually going on with Brad Pitt. So it's like this weird mix of both being interested in celebrity gossip and then also being like a truth seeker and wanting to see what is behind the cover. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, pop culture is sort of its own language already. And then within that, you have people taking things fully at face value and then people sort of in our camp where it's like, we're reading between the lines of everything. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm curious how you got started on TikTok too, because I remember the first video I saw of yours, I'm pretty sure it was the coffee cup scenario with Camilla and Sean Mendes. And I was just like, this girl, can I, can I curse on here? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. Cause I was like, this girl fucking gets it. I'm like the coffee cups, like the paparazzi pictures, the fact that like no celebrity has their photo taken in that high def quality, unless they want it taken in that quality. And I was just like, you completely understand it. So I'm curious when you started paying attention to kind of like the dirty side of pop culture. Well, it's sort of inextricably linked for me with my love of just straight up pop culture. Like I used to read like celebrity news. It was in the back of the newspaper, right next to the cartoons. There was a tiny little paragraph (laughs) of just like celebrity gossip and updates. And I would flip right to that as soon as we got the newspaper in the morning. Um, And then it just went from there. But it's like, in life, I love psychology. I'm always trying to read between the lines. And, And for the people that are so disbelieving of like just how much is fake that's presented to us, to that, I'm like, well, if you just look at our regular lives, there's so much fake behavior going on with no money at stake. So yeah. then you turn up the volume and you throw a couple million dollars and hundreds of people's jobs involved. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be a whole institution. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how those celebrity magazines are always like, oh my God, celebrities are just like <laughs> us. And it's showing them doing their laundry or grocery shopping. And it's the complete opposite because it's like they're basically trying to take the class and privilege away from these celebrities by being like they're just like us when really to me it's like I know celebrities have so much money so much fame so much power but the blinds that like that really tells us how celebrities are just like us because they're cheating on each other they get jealous um you know maybe they're yachting or maybe they're doing drugs or maybe they're doing something bad and to me that's really why I like pop culture because that is how celebrities are just like us. It's like, okay, who cares if you bought a cucumber at the grocery store, but I wanna know the more like human Game of Thrones side of it, where it's like, we all get jealous, we all get petty, we all want recognition for ourselves. Like that's what I'm interested in when I look at celebrities. Yeah, totally. And like so much seems so obvious in terms of these uh, sort of just like us packaged photos, because like, yeah, you could be caught doing your groceries, paparazzi have caught, you know, celebrities off guard doing their groceries. But if, have you ever done groceries where you're holding up your, your product, like a price is right model. And you're like in, in your full makeup and this cute little outfit, like, no. Yeah. I've never like laughed at the cabbage that I held up and like thrown my hair back and my blowout, you know, all of a sudden wafted through Trader Joe's. Like that doesn't happen. Your Tropicana orange juice, like label phasing forward. No, no one looks like that. And that's the thing. Like celebrities don't, 
you know, they don't look great caught mm. off guard, nor would we. I mean, you could follow me around and get dozens of troll looking photos throughout the day if you, you just catch me off guard. <laughs> yeah, throughout the fucking hour. It's like, how much do you love those accounts though, where they expose like celebrities photoshopping their pictures or editing or anything like that? Like, I remember the first time I saw a real HD photo of celebrities and I was like, oh my God, thank God. Like I, I knew that it was fake, but I did kind of think that maybe I was just the grossest person on the planet. But the first time you see an HD picture of a celebrity and you see Kendall Jenner's zits and you see Jennifer Lopez's dry skin and things like that, it made me feel so good because like, even if you recognize that it's a PR machine and it manipulates you, you still kind of fall victim to it sometimes. I know I do at least. Yeah, totally. And and I think now it feels good because when we were growing up, anytime you had anything like that presented, it was always like in the super fat shamey way or in this like, you know, super sexist, like racist, like derogatory way that was like totally acceptable for mainstream. Yeah. Not, it wasn't just National Enquirer. It was like National Post, uh, yeah. New York Times. Like you could, you had like New York Times, you Ooh. know, calling Jessica Simpson, like jumbo Jess for wearing like high-waisted shorts. And so that never felt good to me, but now we're in this new phase where we can, we're, we're really just showing this veneer that they put on and it, but it's not in a, oh, look at this disgusting pig kind of way. Yes. <laughs> it's more just like, hey, they are photoshopping everything and they're going to the beach with a thick face of makeup uh, at dusk. So, you know, we don't see their cellulite and someone caught them off guard in without any of that. So now you can feel better about yourself. <laughs> so I wanted to move along and talk a little more about TikTok and what we decide to post. So you really pull back the curtain on not just blinds, but so many important political stories and conspiracies and that's fascinating to me so it's so nice of you to call important because like before I did blind items and every once in a while it sneaks in I was going back and forth with TikTok because they kept banning me because I would make videos about how to touch my pubes like you know when you're binging <laughs> tv and your hand just kind of like it naturally finds its way to your crotch and you're not like touching yourself but like your hands just like there and I, you know I really believed in it and I kept trying to make videos about that and then tiktok would like ban me <laughs> so we went back and forth anyway so like <laughs> it's nice of you to say that the work I'm doing is important but it's really not <laughs> I, I think it's it really is not. I mean it's, I think I come in really strong in defense of pop culture analysis because it's so yeah. um, put down and not taken seriously. And I just take that as society basically wanting to take any sort of thing that the girls and the gays love and belittle it. I'm like, let us have our fun. It's it's a, it's exactly because of the demographic, because so many people, like especially recently, people are obsessed with politics and it's not to the sense, everyone's like, oh my God, it's like such a good thing to be obsessed with politics. You're keeping yourself informed. People who will like personally tweet at Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton every day or like AOC, what is she wearing? How much did her shoes cost? Like, let me go <laughs> and tally yeah. up every single part of her outfit. And it's like, okay, you're also crazy. Like, you're also obsessed with someone, but just because your celebrity is a politician or an athlete, that's totally fine. But if my celebrity is an influencer or a reality star, now suddenly I'm the ditz without a brain. It's like, get the fuck out of here with that. Like we're all people, we all have obsessions with folks. And I feel like let people have their obsessions. You know what I mean? Like nobody else gets shamed for sports or I don't know, an obsession with artists or things like that. 
part of, I think, what can make people feel terrible about themselves is creating this sort of idolatry of any of those people, like of politicians, celebrities, athletes. Like I think putting them on a pedestal is anyone from any of those categories is equally dangerous. And so for me, breaking that apart and showing (laughs) they're just like us is important and like Mm -hmm. I had I had someone complaining um on my TikTok about how about how like celebrities are like how it's dehumanizing the the work they do I'm like first of all what work isn't slightly dehumanizing and second of all to me a pro athlete who's told at 40 that they're washed up and their career's over and they have traumatic brain injury that seems pretty dehumanizing yeah they were saying what like celebrities are dehumanizing because they have to like but like act for a living or perform or something? Well, they were just, (laughs) I get this comment every day, but I get, why do you care? Mm -hmm. Or you shouldn't care about this. And I usually ignore it, but I (laughs) like one out of every, Does that also, by the way, whenever I, does that come from men typically when they say that? Um, does it it comes equally from the Karens though I think Mm. but I generally don't respond but this time I said um why should I not care and they said well this is really there's there's no morals in this and it's really dehumanizing and I was like no morals like (laughs) like athletes are angels like you with your little uh football icon telling me that I shouldn't like celebrity gossip like I don't it's just really weird you see that a lot on TikTok too everyone tries to moralize everything and it's just it's all these logical fallacies that don't add up like paying attention to celebrities that's not good morally okay what about you watching Netflix for two hours what about you jerking off to porn what about you cutting off someone in traffic it's like we do these things every single day that aren't moral so like who cares at least what I'm doing doesn't hurt anyone it's just an interest I have Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, yeah, I'll have people say like, oh, but it's a waste of time. And I'm like, well, I also love to do embroidery, but I don't think anyone would come up and start yelling at me and telling me I'm wasting my time. So why is one superior to the other? It's not. Yeah. People are weird. People are weird. (laughs) People are weird. And also (laughs) they love to troll. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Although I will say like, I also love to troll. Sometimes I do fake blind items like I said that Jennifer Lawrence and I hooked up in a video and a bunch of people believe me and and I also said that she killed my cat and they were like I just don't think Jennifer Lawrence would like kill your cat after hooking up with you like I think this one's false I'm like oh my of course it is neither of those things happen I don't even own a cat (laughs) I also I also occasionally love to enjoy the uh, or troll the trolls (laughs) I made I made a fake three minute apology video about someone <laughs> criticizing me for uh, mistaking like rollerblades for roller skates or like the other way around. <laughs> and I fully I set it up like um those like 2016 like YouTuber apology yes. videos. Did like, you I was, like, like fake cry? Um, no, I was sitting, I was sitting on the floor of my room with no makeup, which I usually don't make up, but like, it felt important, you know, like. Did you like sit- donate to a cause too? You're like, I will be donating to the rollerbladers of Los Angeles to make up for this mistake. Um, well, no, yeah, ba- like something along those lines. Like I said, I still, you know, I still don't know the difference between these two communities. It's a really complex issue, but I'm here to l- listen and learn. Yeah. Like- you know, I mean, not to like give you shade, but I think you should have taken a year off off to educate and like really learn from that before you hop back on but like whatever yeah well it was someone it was so funny because in this video in my original video um where I had made this mix up which I'm not coordinated enough to have any sort of wheels on my feet so I don't think I've ever roller skated or rollerbladed or 
<laughs> like, I don't really know the difference. I had a couple dozen people point this out to me and most of them were friendly, but some of them were angry. And this woman said, um, well, if you can't even get that right, how can I trust anything you say? <laughs> and it was so funny to me that I just had to sit down and just do a three minute <laughs> troll. That is really funny. Isn't it crazy? I don't know. I also feel like these past two years, like we've all been, we've all been chronically online, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I just feel like tensions are at an all time high. And like within this era of 2022, it's totally on the bingo card for like someone to hate you because of a rollerblading incident. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just going to happen. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, do you have any big moments that stand out to you where you people get really uh upset with the way I pronounce things like I have trouble saying the difference between women and woman and that really pisses people off or if I mispronounce someone's name um people get really upset about that I don't know it's like you name it somebody's definitely gotten upset about it and I feel like we we have the same thing happen a lot where if you don't like a uh female celebrity, you're an internalized misogynist. If you don't like a minority celebrity, then you're a racist. If you don't like a gay celebrity, then you're homophobic. So I, and if you dislike a straight male celebrity, well, then you're a loser for caring about celebrities. In the first yeah, place. exactly. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, you can't really win. People are kind of nuts, but I do think it's weird how we jump to like the, oh, if you don't like this person, then you must not like their entire identity. And I'm like, that's a really big leap to make. Um, you know, I, you know, nobody, nobody on the internet looks at someone with like the best possible intentions. They're like, maybe they meant it in this light where they're not a homophobe, but like no one ever says that. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it goes back to the whole idolatry thing. Like we're just trying to break down these sort of behaviors on these people that have made millions off of putting their life up for discussion. Like that's what you sign up for. You don't get the millions of dollars and get to have your dream projects going without people checking in on what what you're up to and having their opinions about it. Which also like celebrities want to be discussed. Like you cannot tell me that Miley Cyrus and Robin Thicke twerked on each other and wanted zero (laughs) people to chirp about it the next day. You know what I mean? Like celebrities do want attention. And in fact, if they aren't being talked about enough, then they do something crazy to be talked about. That's just how it works. That's the business. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I know I'm never trying to be hateful in any of my videos. Like, I'm, I mean, analysis and hate is not the same thing, but people just sort of jump on that. And like, I don't know, I don't know if you've had any experience with fandoms, but they who do you think is the the worst fandom like the like (laughs) I hear horror stories about BTS but I just know nothing about BTS so I've never been at the mercy of them I think the BTS fandom is the one that got Shallon Lester canceled and of course like the Swifties I think we've both had run-ins with them I've heard the same thing about BTS also don't know anything about K-pop um for I think the few believers that are left I think (laughs) I've I've heard they're kind of like cockroaches like if they're still around they're even stronger than the others because there's so few of them yeah just fueled by their hatred yeah (laughs) but yeah yeah the Swifties are so intense and I have angered them I think you have as well am I uh yeah because anytime that I say that I think Taylor Swift is bisexual they're like how dare you say that she might be queer I'm like oh sorry I didn't realize that was a dig (laughs) (laughs) well 
<laughs> You're like, she only made a music video talking about the entire community and how she was hanging out in a trailer park with them. Like, I'm pretty sure she'd be fine with this, but okay, maybe it's bad. <laughs> also, she only made an entire career off of cryptic messages that she leaves in yes. every single thing that she does and has us look for clues that lead to what the next project is going to be and what the meaning of these songs are. Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like Taylor Swift from the beginning has kind of encouraged the parasocial relationship. And I say this because I was a fan of hers for such a long time. And she was the first artist, like in her album pamphlets, when you bought the CD, she would capitalize certain letters. Yes. So songs had hidden words and messages that would relate to who they were actually about. Like she is the queen at getting people to care immensely about her life and she still does it. And like, we're obsessed. I love it. I'm, a, I'm obsessed with it. Oh yeah. I mean, she's running a marketing masterclass and, and she's a yeah. genius. Um, and that's, that's what's so interesting about, we both, we pissed off the Swifties, but we are Swifties. That's yeah. That's and thing. I always say this too. It's like sometimes I insult celebrities, but like, my God, sometimes I insult myself too. You know, like <laughs> sometimes I like things that I do. And I also know that I have negative personality traits and I talk about those. So we should be able to do it with celebrities too. Like why are some of these people literally idolized and worshiped in a place where you can't say anything bad about them? I'm sorry. That's like, that's North Korea. That's like insane. <laughs> that's what I always compare it's crazy. I, I, I've said sometimes, like, I'm sorry that I insulted our dear leader, Taylor Swift. <laughs> like, I wasn't aware that she was a benevolent dictator, but okay, I'll fall in line. Like, <laughs> I, I must sacrifice my first child to the almighty Taylor Swift. It's like, oh my God, we're, it's like, a, it's like the Old Testament up in here. It's crazy. I, I know. I know. And I mean, we're, we, we are older and with that just comes, you know, the maturity to just know yourself better and make fun of yourself and know that, you know, these digs are not, it's not that deep. It's not yeah. that deep. I, I'm very self-deprecating. Like I know you are too. And that's part of like having a fun, playful relationship with someone, which Taylor Swift has real issues with. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Can we talk about the special place in hell for women who don't help other women quote? See, I'm wait, I'm mispronouncing it. I'm like woman that don't help women. Um, but yeah, wasn't that moment? Well, I just feel like Taylor Swift is the queen of taking herself too seriously. And I feel like that's such a toxic trait to have because it's not the, it's not being a musical artist that's annoying. It's not being a celebrity that's annoying. It's taking yourself too seriously because you could be a juggler and if you take juggling too seriously, I'm going to find it really pretentious. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you watch Vanderpump Rules, but there's this famous quote from it where um, there's like this person on Ariana Maddox who's, who's getting really mad at someone saying, I take sketch comedy extremely seriously. <laughs> and this is not to be taken lightly. And like, that's, I mean, that's just the thing. Like, that's, I think, what really makes the Swifty, you know, fandom so intense is because I think because she is, has such a difficult time laughing at herself, I think it attracts sort of a similar type of fan often who is very serious and is, you know, sort of has their hackles up. Yeah. Have you heard of this quote? People, you know, attribute it to men versus women, women, <laughs> um, but they say, would you rather be loved or would you rather be respected? And 
the theory around this question is that if you ask women, they would say that they'd rather be loved, but men would say that they'd rather be respected because like in a relationship, I need to have love there, you know? And for a guy, they need to have respect. And I feel like Taylor Swift, like she was loved, but now she really only wants respect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like you're either loved or feared and now she wants to be feared. I just feel like, um, I feel like something happened where she got screwed over because, you know, all the way up to the red era, I just felt like Taylor Swift was so sweet. And then everything with reputation happened. And it just kind of felt like she was almost vindictive where she was like, you talked about my relationships. Well, guess what? Now you're not going to see Joe for five years. Oh, <sighs> you said that I am just like a stupid country girl where guess what? I'm now going to be like number one and signing with Spotify and like re-recording all of this stuff. So yeah, I'm going to write, I'm going to, I'm going to write three thinly veiled songs aimed all at Kanye West. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when yeah. he's kind of long forgotten this whole thing. <laughs> Which is just, I don't know, but I just, you know, I'm sure you stick around in the game long enough and you start to get a little bit jaded, but you know, of course I miss like the little Taylor Swift that would make YouTube vlogs and just pour her heart out. And I know why she doesn't do that anymore, but I do miss it. Well, I know. And me too. And you know, to go back to the whole, there's a special place in hell. So for those of you who don't, you know, know what we're talking about, um, it was, I think it was like 2012 or 2014, something like that, but it was, it was Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, um, who were making fun of her dating life um and you know they said I think they were doing a monologue right yeah. for the Oscars or something yeah and they said stay away from Michael J Fox's son and then she responded there's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women <laughs> like which is like that's an in- that's an insane thing to say yeah and like for like people make jokes about Leonardo DiCaprio dating young woman people make jokes about Meryl Streep being you know what I mean like each each artist has their own reputation. And I think Taylor Swift just, she is correct when she says she was a national lightning rod for slut shaming. Like she was just dating like a normal person and she did become this caricature of, you know, a serial dater, but still it's two people making a joke. They didn't dedicate an entire roast to you. Yeah. You know, you you can feel comfortable with whatever label you want, but if, if people were saying that I had a slutty phase when I was 21, where I, I dated a bunch of A-listers all in a row, I'd be so (laughs) proud. (laughs) I'd be like, hell yeah, (laughs) that was me. And now I'm settled down. Yeah, exactly. So then Cara Delevingne, I feel like she just takes that and runs with it. And I feel like that's how they did it so differently. You know what I mean? Like Taylor Swift was dating people, but she was like ashamed of it. And Carla Delevingne is dating people and happy to be talked about. Um, So maybe the times changed, but also I think, you know, the narrative kind of is what you spin on it. Yeah. And like, I'm not subjected to millions of people slut shaming me, which definitely was way more intense, you know, a decade ago, but I'm not cut out for any sort of celebrity, but at the same time, I mean, it's still happening. Like, I don't know if you saw Netflix, I think it was last year or this year they tweeted out something about, they made a joke about her dating life. Yeah. This was on the Ginny and Georgia show. I think one of the characters said, you know, like she goes through more men than Taylor Swift. It was something like that. And Taylor Swift, um, ripped the show um basically and posted it on twitter and being netflix like, at netflix like not a good look since i just did a documentary with you and you're promoting this blah 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 and it must just be her number one trigger because i didn't think it was that bad i actually i think she has a lot of triggers and <laughs> i mean that yeah. is a big one but i i want to just really sit her down and just be like you know it it's not people aren't doing saying everything in such a menacing way 
um, you know, you can just, you can laugh it off sometimes. There's nothing wrong with that if you want, you know, but like, you know, what would have been so funny. Like, don't you wish I love girl boss town on TikTok Cause I love her PR takes. Like yeah. if I was Taylor Swift and Amy Poehler and Tina Fey made that joke about me the next morning, I wouldn't have tweeted that hell line. Instead, I would have been like, I'd love to take both of you guys out on a date. You know what I mean? Like you stare into the skit and you're like, fuck that. I'm also coming for you guys and I'm going to date you. And then everyone would be like, oh, ha ha. Taylor Swift can take a joke. That's funny. We're going to forget about it in two days. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. It's like the more you pay attention to something, the more than everyone else turns and pays attention to it. And, you know, I think we really saw that during her reputation era. I mean, she wanted to call attention to this moment that was very traumatic for her. But she chose to go away for a year. We didn't tell her you have to go away. There was a Taylor Swift is canceled hashtag, but who who has not had a blank is canceled yeah. hashtag? Yeah. And I don't know. I just can't help but get the feeling that she almost did that in a vindictive way where it was like, oh, well, you know what? You guys don't deserve any content from me because you were mean to me or you you know, believe something that was false. So to punish you, I'm gonna kind of give you guys the silent treatment. And you know, I'm probably way overthinking it, but it just feels that way. No, I, I don't think you're overthinking it. And just, just from a birth chart perspective, she has um, a Mars in Scorpio, which is just like her, <laughs> her inner warrior is in a place of, I will never forget this and I will serve my revenge cold and I will sting when you least suspect it. Yeah, there is nothing she does better than revenge. I mean, but you have to hand it to her. Like, God, she's interesting. She's so interesting. Oh, yeah. And I mean, a lot of the actual album reputation, I felt like a lot of it was out of touch and kind of bothered me, especially when it came out. But it's also one of my favorite albums and has a ton of bops. So <laughs> I see yeah. I see all sides of it. Like she never misses. Is there any Taylor Swift song where you're like, uh, I don't like this one? Um. Well, just off that album, for me, this is why we can't have nice things offends me because hearing like the year that Trump was elected or maybe the year after, I think it came out in 2016, 17. Don't, don't send me hate mail. listeners. Yeah, some, um, around that time. yeah. Having an A-lister write a song about how they can't go to as many A-list parties because another, a fellow A-lister was mean to them a year ago. Um, I'm sorry. Like, I don't need to hear it. <laughs> Interesting. I never thought of it that. It was one of those songs that to me was so vague. I didn't really know what she was singing about, but I knew that Kanye West was involved. Um, yeah. It's also interesting too, how everyone's like, oh, celebrities bitch about cancel culture. And so like Taylor Swift, she didn't complain about cancel culture, but she did make like six songs kind of about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and in one of the criticisms I got, um, online in talking about her was saying people were saying oh well Kanye West named her and they call you know he called her that bitch and I was like well she named him too she said I don't like your tilted stage I'm sorry but that is that is the equivalent of saying his name to me yeah also like that bitch like I wouldn't really make a fuss until someone called me a cunt and then I'd be like okay (laughs) well I'm (laughs) I'm part British and (laughs) have like Australian (laughs) friends so even that term to me in the right context doesn't even really ruffle my feathers too much but like yeah I I mean you know in context like it's a rap song I think it's nice I mean I'm a bit more of a 
I'm a bit more of a Kanye apologist than than mm-hmm. most maybe or some right now but I think I think it was nice of him in the first place to call her and ask and he's someone well, remember when the whole thing got um released because like after her cancel wasn't it like two years after this whole thing happened the entire video was released and it did show that Kim Kardashian edited it to make Taylor Swift look bad. Um, but like that never really got picked up. Like nobody really talked about it. It was on Twitter for like one day as trending and then it kind of ended. Yeah. And I mean, you have like, you know, in the context of things you could write about someone, I mean, Drake had a diss track where his a secret son was revealed. So <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, really being called that bitch from someone who has a song about their wife at the time called Perfect Bitch. I, I just really don't <laughs> feel yeah. uh, t- so much sympathy. Do, do you have a one of her songs or like music videos or anything that that kind of bothers you? Well, I think we have the same hot take on the you need to calm down music video yes. because I thought it was very interesting. I don't know. And as someone who's technically part of the community, I'm like, you know, this is this is great that you're supporting the community, Taylor Swift, but it also seems a little bit like a caricature of everyone, you know, like fabulous gay guys making margaritas in a trailer park and giving it campy glam RuPaul drag race, you know, it's very willing grace. (laughs) Yeah. And then the people who are protesting are these like toothless Southerners um, these like angry white men. And I'm just like, I don't know, like, I'm sure she thought that she was doing the right thing, but I'm very much like a rising tide rises all ships. Like to me, feminism is the equality of the sexes. And I just want people to be equal. I think everyone is good at the heart of it. You know, I think just because you're from the South doesn't mean that you're racist. Just because you're a man doesn't mean that you hate women, like all of those things. And I just thought it was just weird the way that she like pitted these tropes against each other. I was just like, mm, I don't know if you need to do that. Yeah. I don't know if you need to. Yeah. I, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and the thing is like, everyone had been waiting for her to speak out about politics and, you know, she was getting all kinds of criticism for that. Um, and then this was her big sort of debut. Like she sort of dabbled in it a bit in her documentary, but then this was like, here I am, you know, making this, this, this big statement. But yeah, I thought, sure you can point to a group that's known for you know typically being homophobic but that group that you're pointing to is very marginalized poor doesn't have access to good education and you this 1.1 percent of the one percent is making fun of them when it's like why don't you save that energy for lawmakers why don't you make fun of rich rich republicans Yes. And that's also the group that Taylor Swift took advantage of when she first came onto the scene. Like, she, yes. was, I'm sorry, but like, she's from Pennsylvania. She used the country genre to try and get big and popular. And then she becomes a pop star. And suddenly she goes, oh, th- these country hicks are all homophobic. And it's like, girl, watch your mouth, because that's who gave you your popularity in the first place. And like, just because from, you're from Alabama doesn't mean that you're homophobic. Like a lot of people upset with me for dating women have been like white sorority chicks. You know what I mean? So like, it's not oh, always yeah. what it seems. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, it's such a, it's such like low hanging fruit. And to me, that's the type of mentality that that's what got Trump elected is to have this sort of narrative where it's like all the rich celebrities are making fun of all these hicks and then you finally have a politician listening to them or you know claiming to listen whatever and sort of claiming to take them seriously and so yeah they're gonna they're gonna go with that guy 
Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't know, but I, I do think her heart was in the right place. And I also do think that she kind of came out in the video. I'm like, why did you oh, have yeah. a wig on with the flags <laughs> in that color when we see no you. one else was wearing wigs? It's not like a wiggy video. There was no reason for it. Yeah. I mean, we're both Kaler truthers. Yes. <laughs> Hardcore. Yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. And that, but that's, I mean, I, I don't want to get too into sort of coming down on everything she does or everything politically that celebrities do is not being perfect. They're, they're not politicians, but it is a complex topic of when celebrities should speak out about politics. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, because she was so anti-politics at the beginning, which honestly, I have to say, smart move. Because I think if you're a 17-year-old girl, you shouldn't be giving out political advice, you know? Yeah. Um, I also think the political advice you give, like when she did speak out, I really liked what she said because she was like, you know, here's who I'm voting for. Here's my belief. I think you should do your own research, look into it. And you know what? Vote however your opinion is. She didn't say vote for this person or, you know, vote this way and I'll give you a free ticket or something like that. She was just encouraging people to educate themselves. And I love that people should be doing like everyone gets so mad when they're like, oh my God, you voted 1% of the country voted third party. I'm like, what about 48% of the country that didn't vote at all? Like there's so many people not engaged. Yeah, totally. And yeah, and she she has the the power to rally an army. I mean, I think if she wasn't a pop star, she could be a military general. Like she, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting every celebrity to get into politics. Actually, that would be horrible. But for me, the, yeah. <laughs> for me, the tipping point was, when she wasn't speaking out about politics for so long and every other celebrity was that she sort of started to turn into this neo-Nazi like poster child. Yes. For years. And they were just assuming she's like this blonde Southern, you know, Aryan like princess and she's, Mm -hmm. you know, doing mainstream pop, but she's the only one out of the pop girlies that hasn't spoken out. So when everyone starts to to project that image onto you and it goes on for years that to me is when you have an obligation to speak up yeah and to me that's just like i'm sorry are you stupid it was like the same thing when donald trump kept not saying anything against white supremacy supremacy and it's like you should have done this the minute you had the ability to speak or the minute somebody talked about it like why would you drag your heels on denouncing something like that yeah i mean yeah i i'm jewish and i had a period of time where i'm like can I even listen to her music? You know, when, when it was really reaching this height and I, I forget their name, but it was like the number one neo-Nazi group in the States had published, I think like something like 30 articles just celebrating Taylor Swift. And this had been going on <laughs> for years and mainstream publications were like, why have you not said anything? And then finally she's like, I I've always said I was against this. I'm like, well, you, you did, you did now. Okay. All right. It's very interesting. Like, I would love to know what happens in her PR team meetings and why they drop some news and not others and speak out on this and not others. But, you know, I will say in the documentary that she was in, she had to fight so hard to be able to talk about politics. You know, her dad was against it. All the managers were against it, chalking it up to safety issues. And that was something that I hadn't really thought of before. I'm like, oh, it must be PR. It must be sales. But I do wonder if she has a team of people and they say, okay, if you speak out and say that you are not 
a neo-Nazi that's going to conflict with like next week they have this huge parade and they could try to bomb your house or something. Like, I don't know how it works, but I just find it interesting when like Adele doesn't have access to her social media. Taylor Swift (laughs) needs to beg for permission to talk about politics. I'm like, hmm, you know, how much agency do these celebrities really have? Yeah. And that's part of why I would never want to be a celebrity and why I don't envy them for a second, because everyone who you meet is basically trying to pull you in all different directions and want something from you or their job depends on you. So if you say something that pisses off too big of a group of people, then maybe you'll lose your job. So yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really, really crazy how uh, political everything gets once you start to become famous. Yeah, totally. I mean, for me, all roads tend to lead back to Taylor. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so hard not to talk about her. Yeah, I, I've gotten some episodes ready for uh, my Patreon, and I meant to just make one Taylor episode, and it's turned into three and essentially like therapy for me. <laughs> I'm so ready to listen to this. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, because I think both of us, I, I cannot consume enough Taylor content. It is so. Yes. <laughs> It's like, it's, it, 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 if I could do things again, I would have had like an entire account just dedicated to it. Like it's, to me, it is like, it's the closest I've gotten to religion is like their relationship and how much I believe in it. I, I actually have, um, I follow this account Groupon mom is her name. And, and, oh yeah, yeah. I've yeah. Yeah. And her whole account is a queer analysis of Taylor Swift. Yeah. And, I love it. and I love she has a shit. podcast in Patreon called The Archers, which is also dedicated. Oh, I've listened to The Archers. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> people share our obsession and that's the beauty of the internet. Um, <laughs> and it, it's spreading too. Don't you love how it's spreading? Yeah, it is actually reaching a bit of a fever pitch. I feel like yeah. people weren't really talking about this even a couple months ago. I know it's growing our ranks. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to move along to a really interesting topic that you've touched on a lot and I find really fascinating, which is the whole vast world of the casting couch or the casting couch to yachting trajectory. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting how, you know, I think Troy from Beyond the Blind says this often that, you know, sex is just currency in Hollywood. And I definitely think that's true. Yeah, I mean, and (laughs) in, in a broader sense in the world, (laughs) exactly like you have to be so many people when you talk about yachting which is basically escorting a version of prostitution kind of like sugar baby you know mixed together um people just call it yachting because typically it happens on yacht vacations or in um you know somewhere over in like rich middle eastern countries things like that allegedly all alleged, all lies, all made up. Oh, by yeah, us. exactly. <laughs> I'm talking out of my ass. Um, but a lot of people are like, celebrities would never do that. Like they already have the money. Like what do they need to do it for? And it's the same thing that I think we get a lot when people talk about PR relationships. They're like, the Spider-Man movie is already going to do well. So they don't need to do PR. And it's like, okay, first of all, A, money and attention 
you can never really have enough of it. I don't think there's anyone in the world who's ever been like, oh, cool, a huge fat check. Let me just turn that down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, I think a lot of these celebrities, it sounds pretty nice. Like a millionaire wants to take you on a jet somewhere for a fun weekend in Italy, and then you get paid handsomely afterwards. It's not like these people are being pimped out. I think a lot of people are like, sex work is something horrible that you have to do for money because you're starving. And it's really not. It's it's very, very nuanced. But also you have people like Tana Mosho talking about how they're on seeking arrangements or trying to find a sugar daddy. And it's like, Tana Mosho doesn't need any more money, but she's still doing this. Celebrities are doing it as too. And I think in um, Emrata's autobiography, she was making references to Miranda Kerr from Victoria's Secret. And, you know, it's been known in the blinds for yeah. years that she was on that yachting game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's kind of why I haven't really talked about it so much yet on my channel is because the internet's not great with nuance. Uh, especially TikTok, yeah. <laughs> especially TikTok. But to me, I have no problem with sex work. I mean, it, and the problem to me is society that is so critical of just sex in general and sex work and isn't realistic about, you know, like I want all the people that are saying, oh, this would never happen. I want them to seriously think about what they would do for $100,000. Mm -hmm. or $5 million, really, mm -hmm. like realistically think about it and get back to me on that, you know, while we're all <laughs> out there generally, you know, at our nine to fives. <laughs> yeah, I think people's internal morals come out a lot with the types of comments that you see, you know, like I did a video saying Pete Davidson was on drugs and people were like, how dare you? He is so nice. And I'm like, yeah, you can do drugs and be nice. I never <laughs> said that that makes someone mean, or, you know, it'll be like, they're in a PR relationship. How dare you say that? Dude, I'm a fan of PR relationships. If I ever became famous, I would immediately be in one. It's a great way to get recognition or people who are like yachting, yachting. Like, why would you say that she does yachting? Like she's not that type of girl. And it's like, I didn't say that yachting makes you a bad or dirty person at all. Like, I think a lot of people have these internal stigmas and stereotypes of these actions when like, I feel like you and me, like, we're just here for the entertainment, do whatever you want. I'm going to talk about it, but I'm not going to judge you. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, it's funny. I, I saw a video of yours where I think <laughs> I just love the way you, you said that you assume all celebrities are pansexual and on drugs unless other proven otherwise. <laughs> yeah. It just makes things easier. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, I've had the same thing said to me about Pete Davidson or, Oh, poor Pete or Pete's such a genuine guy who would never do that. I'm like, what, how precious do you really think Pete Davidson is? Do you think yeah. he doesn't want to get some dream projects off the ground or that he's so bothered by having to spend time with Kim Kardashian? But it's just, we never learn. We never learn because a year ago, or maybe it was two years ago, everyone was like, John Mulaney. I love how he does his stand-up sets in his nice crisp buttoned up <laughs> shirt. And he talks about how much he loves his wife. Guess what? He divorced that wife and then he knocked someone up and then he was cheating on her the whole time too. So like, we never learn like, Pete seems like such a golden retriever energy. Have you ever met him? Have you ever even been in the same state at the same time? We do not know these people. Exactly. And even as far as the people we do know, it's like also in our, in our personal lives, everyone knows someone who's gone through a big breakup or a divorce or what have you, and have really <laughs> had a 180 <laughs> with yeah. their life and their personality and, you know, all kinds of ugly sides come out and that's, those are regular people. So it, the, the stakes don't have to be high. Yeah, but it's just human nature.
Yeah, it's just human nature. Exactly. And it, it's also not black and white. Like it, just because you're set up with someone in a PR relationship doesn't mean you've never slept with them. A hundred percent. Like a hundred percent. I'm pretty sure. Uh, like I think Tom Holland and Zendaya are doing a PR thing right now, but I'm pretty sure they've slept together in the past. I see chemistry between them. Yeah. It's like they're coworkers. When you're in a PR relationship, you're coworkers. Mm-hmm. Coworkers can fall under every different category of possible human interaction. Yeah. What do you think of the theory that um, Kim and Kanye started as PR, but then they fell for each other? I could see that. I mean, I could see basically every relationship that Kim has ever been in um, mm-hmm. being PR. <laughs> Yeah, I don't find her a very, like, sexual or romantic type of person. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also, I mean, I think about what they said on Beyond the Blinds podcast when they were saying, you know, there were many reasons why Chris Humphreys uh, said that it was a sham marriage or that it was mm. uh, it wasn't legitimate. Like, it wasn't just because it was 72 days. Yeah. And, and, you know, from her very early days, she's always been known as the girl that calls the paparazzi when she's on a movie date with Nick Lachey. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so when you're Kris Jenner's offspring, I don't think you're really capable of being a genuine person. Yes. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. And, and, you know, when you were talking before about like, there's no limit to how much money and attention you can, you can get or seek. It's like, you look at Kris Jenner, she can't, she couldn't have a bigger house. She couldn't have more power but she's still out there pimping out her kids. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it just becomes like an addiction that you have to feed. And you see this with anyone who gets powers, you know, like you see it with um, the cops turned, you know, rancid power players. You see it with the politicians who are 80, but still in office because they just can't let go. You see it with the CEO who refuses to give away his title to the next person who deserves it. It's like, once you get power and fame and money and success, it really breeds this addiction. And it's very, very hard to cut the knot and say goodbye to it. Yeah. And I mean, you see some middle manager at some (laughs) shitty office job power tripping and getting hungry off of being promoted from assistant manager to manager of their department yeah like the amount of power that a bouncer has letting you into the club on a Saturday night and like looking you up and down and deciding (laughs) if you get in or not multiply that by like 10,000 and that's probably what like Brad Pitt feels yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and and for people to think all the time you know um anytime I talk about Pete Davidson I always get people saying like no and there's no way and how I'm like what he's human like the rest of us I love attention um (laughs) and you know positive validation and not not in a toxic way but having this like hot chick (laughs) on your arm (laughs) it's also funny the way people describe things too they're like Pete Davidson is so good he wouldn't do that like he loves Kim Kardashian I'm like okay there's the type of good person where their virtuous act is dating Kim Kardashian he could have also donated money if he's so good you know what I mean like oh wow to be a good person in Hollywood you have a legitimate relationship there's still like charity and homeless shelters out there I feel like we all keep forgetting about that we're like no Pete Davidson is good because he hasn't hit someone across the face and then got into women pregnant it's like we really need to redefine what it means to be good in Hollywood and our standards for men like the bar is truly in hell and we meet it there and we're like yeah he hasn't had a me too scandal he's a good guy (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. He hasn't been on Jeffrey Epstein's island. So I think he's like the next messiah. It's like, yeah. well, that's not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> this isn't a criticism of Pete himself, but something that, that bothers me sometimes, like I get the whole appeal of him, but at the same time, it bugs me that if you had a woman had a similar look to him and did this a similar style comedy there is no chance in hell she would be a sex symbol oh yeah well i mean look at amy schumer everybody hates her yeah yeah look at sarah silverman everyone hates her look at chelsea handler everyone hates her it's it's really hard to be a female comic yeah i mean it's hard to be a woman it's hard to be a female comic and then you have pete you know he's funny i like his stand-up but he's not inventing the wheel and he's yeah. not you know the most good-looking man on earth but the, but wh- while the bar for men is in hell the bar for women is unrealistically high in my view like, I don't know yeah. if you you find um, oh no a hundred percent a hundred percent even the whole trend of like dad bods being hot that's never going to happen for women no no you have to you know have women clawing their way into like this body positivity movement and then that gets picked apart whereas we can just go oh my god look at leo and his dad bod (laughs) yeah yeah it's absolutely it's it's i don't know it's crazy and i don't know if it's gonna get better but i would just say like i think we still have a ways to go on that i think we have a ways to go and sometimes i feel like we're going backwards and then other times i think about what things were like when we were growing up (laughs) yes oh my god we have come a long way in like 10 years Uh, 10 years 20 years yeah like what what was acceptable to say even five years ago is completely different from what it is now yeah it's spooky how quick things are changing basically any movie that was made before 2015 probably hasn't aged well yes oh (laughs) dude 100 percent. are you watching the latest um sex in the city reboot (laughs) i (laughs) i started and i i can't you save yourself it's not if you keep going there's nothing good there i'm i'm just hate watching it at this point but i feel like they realized how tone deaf a lot of the issue or the episodes were back then so now it's just like woke bingo in every single episode it's like say non-binary talk about um white saviorism talk about horrible microaggressions don't talk about it just do them you know and it's like the it's the weirdest apology for being tone deaf that I've ever seen in my life oh totally they've swung the pendulum too far the other way I mean even the whole on their fake podcast x y and me (laughs) how they have the woke button I'm like I know that's meant ironically but literally that's what your show feels like moment i'm like oh ew, i never want to hear again <laughs> i know i've been like you know a bit of a nervous wreck getting this podcast ready and i've had a couple times telling myself well look it can't be as bad as x y and me so i'm okay <laughs> this really makes me want to add a woke moment button into my own podcast and every 30 seconds it's just woke moment woke woke, yeah, woke moment yeah i know and and now there's this whole like hate of hate of this Che Diaz character and then (laughs) and then there's backlash that hate but it's like it's because people are waiting for representation and have been waiting for so long and then they're presented this like hollow character that is just so contrived like if you're a gay character your whole vibe doesn't need to be yas queen slay queen I'm wearing high heels like be gay but also like 
have a personality and be funny. Be a funny comedian. Just be like, exactly. A normal person. Like nobody wants to get lectured to, you know, like let, let non-binary people be funny. Like if anything, I feel like the show is a hate crime against the entire community. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Like, yeah, I, there's so many genuinely funny non-binary comedians. And then you have this character that stands up and basically does a full, like, I, I think I watched the first or second episode. They did a full, um, stand up routine about how their life is amazing and everyone wants to fuck them and I'm like yeah okay (laughs) no it was horrible and people in the crowd too they weren't even clapping they were doing the snaps I'm like (gasps) not everything has to be new and progressive oh my god (laughs) no it, it 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 felt to me like um you know those articles where they're like we fed this AI bot a thousand hours of this show and they're not the right script. <laughs> yes. I've seen those videos. I love them. I love that. Yeah. That's what, that's what the Sex and the City reboot feels like to me. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, it's both trying too hard to be progressive. And then at the same time, the way they bring up their age every two seconds, yes. like there are these geriatric people is offensive to me. That, that is the one thing I feel like, um, I feel like we have done really well in, you know, trying to promote women, trying not to be homophobic, all of these issues. But when it comes to age, especially on TikTok, people are still ageist. We're not going to be crossing that bridge for a long time. Like age is the last thing to kind of destigmatize. Not that, not that we've done a hundred percent on all the other issues. I'm just saying that age is something that's really baked into us and we're not even looking at it the way that we're looking at other issues. No. And it is something that hasn't really even kind of been touched yet. And there's this, you know, huge resurgence in plastic surgery, which I'm not like super pro or against, but I think the whole idea of freezing myself in my youth is horrifying to me. Like I'm so happy to get older and just care less and less. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I like the way I look now more than I did at 22. Granted, I've gotten my nose done, but you know, other than that, I do feel like you kind of grow into yourself. Like, I think people look their best in their thirties. Oh no, a hundred percent. Exactly. And like, I feel like for me by society standards, I looked more fitting with that sort of category in my early twenties. But now like the fact that I, I don't care as much, you know, if I show up on this app, you know, with a greasy hoodie, <laughs> Well, isn't that crazy too? Like so many kids on TikTok, they look like a perfect 10. And I feel like you and me will sometimes just like make a video in bed. I'm like, if I look gross, like who cares? Then I'll look good later. And then I'll look gross. Like you kind of accept that your appearance is a wave that can go up and down and it really means nothing. But I've been seeing some kids make videos where they're like, I can't make a video today because I don't have it in me to like put makeup on, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, that's like so sad. Like you don't have to just like be yourself. I know we've really got lucky with just making it in time that we didn't have to grow up with social media. They preach. <laughs> like what our 13 year old selves are, you know, they're <laughs> in a physical photo in a box somewhere. We can throw them yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. Like the worst that would happen was that you would have those like anonymous curious cat uh questions where sometimes people would like cyber bully you anonymously, but like that was it. <laughs> like if I didn't get invited to a party maybe on Monday, I heard about it. Nowadays, if a kid doesn't get invited to a party, they can go on Instagram stories and watch everybody having fun without them. I'm like, oh my God, that's horrible. Yeah. And, and like the thought of like being a teenager and not wanting to repeat your outfit because it was on social media is devastating to me. 
Yeah. Or even like a skincare routine. I'm like so jealous. These kids are wearing sunscreen. I was like eating cheese and then going on Accutane to try to get rid of my pimples. I'm like, I thought that that was the skincare routine growing up. Yeah. We were all going on like whatever weird diet Oprah (laughs) was was into that week. (laughs) A hundred percent. Like the concept of a bat girl routine that was not around when I was 15. No, I do feel a little bitter about how they they've been able to sort of skip this awkward phase or so it seems from the outside yeah nobody else like was wearing blue eyeshadow and like low-cut jeans and chonky belts like you said I just don't get it like everyone looks hot they know how to contour (laughs) I still don't know how to contour I just figured the boat skipped me have you ever contoured no no me neither (laughs) and I'm actually thinking of kind of crowdsourcing this this information uh, like I'm thinking of making a video where I'm just like please I'm a baby help me like <laughs> if you ever see me with makeup it's a filter I don't know how to do this myself yeah there needs to be like a millennial master class where like some 12 year old <laughs> teaches all of us how to beat our face and we're like oh my god thank you thank you yeah yeah like put down the tweezers do not resist the urge to make your eyebrows in a little like sperm shape <laughs> yeah <laughs> sperm eyebrows dude Addison it's so cold (laughs) yeah I mean but at the same time it's like while I'm envious of teenagers you know looking so classy and turning looks I think the other side of that is that they're under immense pressure and scrutiny you know from growing up online yeah mental health is really at an all-time low and as much as I looked like Shrek after a bar fight for most of my childhood and teenage years growing up, it was nice just to come home from school and spend an hour throwing a tennis ball at the wall because you had nothing to do, but your mom wouldn't let you go on the computer. So you played with the dog in the backyard. You know what I mean? Like I, it, it is really nostalgic to have those memories. Yeah. I mean, for me, actually speaking of Oprah before, like I was a Oprah every day kind of gal. <laughs> I think from s- seventh grade onwards, like I was... I was obsessed, but those were the sort of issues I was presented with. And if she didn't talk about it, I didn't really know about it. <laughs> yeah. Straight from the heart of Oprah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Whereas it's a whole different world to have to be this activist for, or feel a pressure to be this activist for a million different causes, look a certain way and have your um, aesthetically pleasing morning routine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back then your only influencer that you followed was Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting now looking back, like sometimes, I don't know if you, you feel this way, but sometimes I almost wish I wasn't so curious about celebrities because it's really just, it's torn down all my heroes one by one. Like, have you had that experience? Yeah, I think I still have faith in Conan O'Brien um, I'm waiting to find out anything bad on him. Hasn't happened yet, but everyone else they've been chipped away at. How about you? What's, what's Oprah got on her? Um, oh, I, it kills me to even get into this. I just, so. Was she from Jeffrey Epstein? No, she wasn't on Epstein's Island as far as I know, but I, I was talking about my reverence of her to a friend and he was like, well, you know, like she was best friends with Harvey Weinstein and yes I've heard that and then I was like I don't believe it I refuse Oprah's as close to me you know as a living deity as you can get basically Mm -hmm. and then he started sending me photos of her with Harvey Weinstein because 
okay a lot of hollywood had a relationship with harvey weinstein that was it but the amount of photos of them arm in arm her passionately kissing his cheek like rubbing his hair like in about 20 different outfits I had to really just <laughs> take time yeah, out. Just like, oh, we once went to happy hour together with a bunch of people. I barely know the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I basically had to call my therapist. Like I needed to just <laughs> collect myself <laughs> with this information. Yeah. I still don't really know what to do with it. But, you know, if 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 these people along the way gave us something good, nothing's going to take that away, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like there's only so long people can be in the Hollywood fame machine before your timer runs out and you just kind of do something nasty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't really want to know what I would do with infinite wealth and power. Like I, (laughs) I would definitely do drugs and I would definitely like fuck everybody. And then I would probably, I would have like a torrid affair with Elon Musk and I would dye my hair platinum blonde and I would try to get pregnant with his baby. Like no doubt. And like, I sometimes actually try to manifest that. Yeah. I would be in rehab, but then they would send me to one of those fancy rehabs. It's basically just a spa. So I wouldn't take anything away from it. hundred percent. So you keep going back to rehab again and again and again, because <laughs> yeah. you just like really want to get the Swedish massage. <laughs> yeah. And I want to go horseback riding <laughs> for yeah. my, for yeah. my morning equine therapy. <laughs> That'll be fun. Maybe we get famous. We'll team up. I'd come visit you. I'd be like, I'm here to visit her. Cause you know, she needs some support. And then I'd be like, and could you book me for the facial? Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and, and speaking of visits, um, we were talking earlier about when when the pandemics you know calm down and travels a little easier so you're in new york and i'm in montreal and we were talking about hanging out and going for drinks and we stumbled upon a a genius idea if i will say so myself yeah no doubt i think it's gonna be big are you talking about the bus yeah do you want (laughs) to do you want to talk about this idea So Emily was like, oh yeah, when I come to New York and I was like, oh my God, yeah, we're going to have to go out drinking. And then I was like, we should do a little bar crawl where like we go to bars that are by different celebrities' houses in New York. And then she was like, oh yeah, we like get a tour bus and do that. And then I'm like, wait, we should get a tour bus, be the people with the microphone on the tour bus and have a bunch of people come on and we all just get hammered on this bus and we call it the blind bus instead of the bang bus and we just go all throughout the city like tmz in new york and we point out different celebrities brownstones and we like spill tea about them and then drink it's genius (laughs) yeah i'm excited i'm excited i think this could actually be a reality because the thing is like if you're a sports fan there's a sports bar on every corner there's a fantasy football league we don't really get to make our hobbies a team sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't. I mean, like you have, yeah, you don't. Maybe sometimes you're able to watch the season finale of the bachelor at a bar, but like, that's it. No. I mean, I, I was talking with a couple of people on my page at one point about how nice it would be if we were able to take over a bar and just play Bravo all night, like like housewives and like old Vanderpump rules and <laughs> be like screaming at the screen together. And <laughs> And so many people were down. I'm like, of course, because we're all doing this stuff alone in our house. Why not do it with a margarita and a bunch of new friends? Yeah, I'm here for it. I love it. Yeah, let's uh, let's put a pin in that and circle back. (laughs) As they say, it'll be on the vision board in the corporate speak. Yeah, I I say we uh, we we round the people up. We make no doubt. We'll do it. Yeah, it'll have to happen. Um. All right. Well, 
Thank you so much for chatting today. Where can listeners find you if they haven't already? I am on Epstein's Island. (laughs) (laughs) Reporting live. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm fluently forward, um, everywhere. TikTok, Instagram, the podcast. Um, that's it. One word fluently forward. Your website, right? Your Yo, yep. Fluentlyforward.com. I know. I tried to be like a blogger before all this happened, you're, but it wasn't meant to be. I mean, you're not trying to be. You have a blog and people read it. <laughs> it's like the same way Emily Mariko tried to be a fashion influencer before she started cooking. And everyone was like, we don't want the fashion. We just want the cooking. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, I've read your blog. I'm a fan. So <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. So nice. yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I'll see you on the blind bus. Okay, I'll see you on the blind bus. (laughs) All right, guys, that's it for today. Don't forget to subscribe, leave me a review for you while you're at it. Follow me on Instagram, it's become a whole thing, and TikTok, and I'll see you next week. Au revoir, mes amours.